HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, I'm Eli for Heritage Radio Network on Tour. We're broadcasting live from the Le Creuset podcast studio at Charleston Wine and Food. Today we're celebrating International Women's Day, and our lineup is full of women in food and drink that inspire us. Go to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash Charleston 2019 to see our full interview schedule. Also, thank you to Le Creuset and the Julia Julia Child Foundation for making Heritage Radio Network on tour at Charleston Wine and Food possible. Today, I'm joined by pastry chef Katie Keefe. Hey, Katie. What's up? Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Katie oversees the pastry program at both McCready's and McCready's Tavern. Yep. And they also have the McCready's Tasting Menu experience, which invokes nostalgia in the comforting delicacies at McCready's Tavern. (laughs) Nice. Katie joined the team in 2015. Yep. She moved down here from New York. Yep. After working at so many places, you've been at Danielle, Jean George, you were at Mass Brothers, Dominique Ansel. Yeah. And also Girl and the Goat in Chicago. Yeah, all those were trails. It was really fun. I spent I spent a lot of time trailing around, but my all mostly I was at Lincoln with Chef Richard Capizzi. And so before we get to uh, New York. We're gonna do a the line speed round, which is we dun, usually dun, dun. have we usually have a little bit more time than this. But I want to start at the beginning in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, yeah. where you grew up. Tell me just a little bit about what your house was like, how you got interested in baking, and yeah. uh, and 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 what and who inspired you to maybe get do involved this. in this crazy yeah, career. Totally. I think that the main, the most used answer ever of all problems and amazing solutions is your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was my biggest probably inspiration. Also my whole family. We do, I grew up cooking with her. She's a wonderful, she's a wonderful cook. And on, all the women in my family are all my aunts. Everybody cooks. We also use food to celebrate, to soothe, to heal. Um, when there was a problem, my mom was like, and you know, go go eat something quick and then we'll talk about it you know what I mean I mean we really did we really did celebrate things and we were always going to the grocery store finding new stuff and so I think I've always had food in my life be very important and then when I was in college at Ole Miss um, I was playing volleyball and my teammates were like you hate class you love cooking go to culinary school and I did it and that's how I kind of 
ended up in New York was just cooking and cooking and was just there, loving it. Was there ever a time in high school or at Old Miss when you were, like, were you the type of person that when there was a party or someone said, hey, come over and watch a movie at my house, like, were you always bringing a tray oh, yeah. of brownies? We were, were like, you that person? Oh, totally. We were trying, I used to have, like, dinner parties at my house in high school, which is so nerdy. I don't think anyone else was into it, but I was like, I'm going to make fried chicken dinners with macaroni and cheese or muffaletta. And a lot of it, a lot of my food... I don't know, a lot of my food tastes and cravings and loves tend to be comfort food. They tend to be uh, family style. They tend to be very um, welcoming and nostalgic for sure. I think that's why it's such a good fit at McCready's for me because we do, we do just, we do love to send people back in time a little bit. We love to make them feel at home. You studied hospitality management at, at University of Mississippi when you were there mm-hmm. playing uh, volleyball. Yeah. So it seems like you kind of had it figured out a little bit at that yeah. point. You knew that you were probably going to go into yeah. that realm, yeah. right? I didn't want to sit down all day. And so what from that program do you think actually is still really relevant in your job? Oh, like man. people go to culinary school and they go to hospitality business school. And I'm wondering how much of that do you feel actually translates yeah. to your day to day and and how big is your team, by the way? Like, how many people uh, do you have between well, all your spots? The pastry team is me and my sous chef. Okay. <laughs> That's specifically pastry. But our larger team is probably, like, 20, 20 people. I, I'd have to count on my hand. You know, I don't know. But um, we have a couple sous chefs and then myself and the other the executive chef, Jim Stein, um, kind of run the show. And I don't know. I think for me, from, from my experience, I think hospitality at Ole Miss did serve me really well. I learned a lot about, um, math and accounting, um, think like more applicable math. I think kind of the algebra stuff never really sat well with me, but when I started being able to utilize that, um, it really helped me now. I'm, I'm better at the P and L's. I'm better at understanding what's going on in the business side of things for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think hospitality school also taught me a lot of the old school basics. You know, we have to, we had to go through classes at culinary school and at hospitality, um, where does the fork go? How do you fold a napkin? And I know that sounds so basic and silly if you're not interested in that. But if some, if you go to a restaurant and you don't, and your fork's on the wrong side, you take a negative experience away from that. And so I, th- I do think it was really important for me. It can be all those small little pieces that 100%. add up to a wonderful experience. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one or two can fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. But as they pile up, people start to notice. Mm-hmm. The normal diner will notice those things. Yeah. So paying attention to detail mm-hmm. is something that's obviously critically important on the pastry mm-hmm. side. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's sort of an a misunderstood realm of the culinary profession and of the kitchen, I think. Yeah. Um, from from your perspective, how much of it is uh, following a, a base recipe and then putting your own spin on it? And how much of it is just total original ingenuity from, from the ground up and yeah. saying, uh, starting with an ingredient and reaching an end result? And yeah. how much of it is maybe taking a existing, maybe a classic Southern recipe and yeah. then putting your twist on it? I think a huge percentage of pastry is based not necessarily in recipe, but in technique. Um, technique and understanding of ratio is something that I am very big on with my cooks and um, that I was taught a lot about. If you don't have solid technique, um, if you don't know how to make sponge and egg foams and utilize uh, different cuts, types of custard, stirred, baked, etc., all the really, really f- basic things, the building blocks, you can't do pastry because in I think pastry I always talk about being a little bit different than savory because we don't buy the steak. We make the steak. We have to make, we have to make the cake, 
We have to make the sauce, to make the ice cream, to make the stuff, to make the whole plate. Whereas in savory, you have this humongous, so many things to work with, this humongous list of things to work with, but you buy them in. You get the produce. Most places don't buy their, don't make their steak. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And so that's where I think a huge part of, for me, comes in the further creativity is I think you have to have a lot of the basic how-to knowledge. But once you have that, once you have that technique, we really can be inspired by product. We really can bring in beautiful products, different black walnuts or blueberries or whatever we, whatever comes in the door of our restaurant. And once, because I know how to make, how to make the basic parts of it, then we can get creative and start working away from recipe and really, I don't know, like what's it, what's it like in jazz when you like freestyle or whatever, you know, all jazz. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like we just, we, then we get to freestyle because we have the building blocks of, of what we need to know. And so at McCready's in the traditional like a la carte ordering experience versus the tasting menu, mm-hmm. uh, can you talk a little bit about some dishes that are either currently on the menu or things that you've been really excited and proud of that you've done <laughs> in the last whatever, two, yeah. or, two or so years? And do they differ greatly from what someone can get when they come in and they're in the tavern versus oh, yeah. the tasting menu experience? For sure. Okay. Um, the tavern is very different than the tasting menu experience. Both restaurants are inspired by Southern Ingredients and Charleston. We very much are aware of where we are. We're right off of East Bay on a tiny little alley in a very historic building. So we understand that people, a lot of people come to us for that Charleston experience, but the style of food and service you receive in the two restaurants is vastly different. The, uh, the style in the tavern is much more casual every day. Um, we really try to make the food delicious, slightly larger portions, um, very worth your money. We want the service to be casual, but everything is as expected. We definitely follow the fine dining rules of silver and clearing and everything, but we always shoot for the vibe in the tavern to be a lot more relaxed and homey. We want to welcome people in the tavern as if they're coming into our home. Whereas in the counter, um, we don't have Michelin stars here in in Charleston, you know, but we try to stay on the level of the Michelin star restaurants. We really try to make sure that we're following so many steps of service, lots of different courses, lots of um, things in front of the guest. All the cooking in the tavern is done in a traditional kitchen setting behind the scenes, right? In the counter, we it's almost like a stage. We are front and center in front of 22 guests all night, and they're at a counter that kind of is a U-shape around, and we we really try to show off for those guests that are spending that money and spending that time with us. We want them to feel like they are seeing what we do and they get to appreciate it as much as we appreciate them coming to, to have it with us. So what is, what's a Katie Keefe dessert? Like what is something, <laughs> what is something on the oh, tasting man. menu that you feel really embodies what you try to do yeah. day in, day out? Like you spend so much time perfecting these various dishes yeah. and like what's something that, that when it hits the, the diner and you can see their faces, yeah. like it's very satisfying totally. for you. Um, we have a bunch of them and we definitely work really collaboratively. I work super well and collaborative, collaboratively with our executive chef, Jim. But um, I think one thing we did recently is we have this little thing called a bene finger. It's one of the last bites and it's something that I think really speaks to what I spoke about earlier with the uh, technique being the base and then moving into exciting new new places with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a leaf croquant, which is kind of like a butterfinger. We have to okay. laminate hard cracked sugar and bene, which is a local ingredient from here. Uh, it's kind of like a sesame seed, but they brought it over, the enslaved peoples brought it over from Africa, and it just hit Charleston, and we've always had bene here. Okay. And it's something that is cultivated locally. And we take the bene praline and the caramel and we laminate it like croissant. So it's just beautiful layers of caramel and soft 
like almost like peanut butter, but bene, like bene butter. And we roll it really thin like paper and we roll it around like a little cannoli. And then inside we fill it with coffee cream and we do like this coffee soil on top. And that's kind of one thing that I think embodies my style. It's definitely got textures and flavors that are comforting and warm, but we're using those more uh, technically, I don't know, hard or I don't know, like more practiced things that you have to know how to do, like pull sugar. Um, we use those to, to give the guests those nostalgic flavors in a way they've never seen before. And when, when you're talking about those nostalgic flavors and like the history of Charleston, mm-hmm. do you feel a push and pull between uh, both emphasizing and highlighting Charleston and its culinary history mm-hmm. and just its oh, traditional yeah. history? Yeah. And also maybe the itch that you do or do not get to do something like totally modern and that doesn't necessarily quote-unquote fit in in Charleston it's tough sometimes because um you you have the expectations of the guests they come to our restaurant to experience Charleston and we definitely always want to do that I think the way we do that is by giving them those ingredients the bene seeds the tile fish the golden tile it's my favorite fish I hadn't had it till I moved here it's just amazing um the oysters that are local we Jim and I really pushed to have tons of stuff, tons of ingredients on the menu that they're not going to see. Last night's dinner, we did jelly palm that we, it's like, it's almost like this, it looks like a grape. It's a mm-hmm. bright orange grape and they come off these really short palm trees. It's called jelly palm. You can eat it. it. Tastes like mangoes. We forged it in the summer Cool. and we froze it. And so we made this fruit leather for last night's dinner. And so that's kind of what we try to do. We try to give you stuff from Charleston, but definitely in a way that makes you go, wow, like, for lack of a better term, wow. You know, yeah. we want people to feel like they left the restaurant. Um, people, I literally have been on East Bay, kind of like waiting for my Uber or whatever after work, and people come out of the restaurant and they're skipping. They're like, and I've heard couples just be like, that was amazing, babe. Like, that was so great. And they're skipping down the street. And that's kind of what we're shooting for is for people to feel special. What's so amazing about just the geography of our country is mm-hmm. that it's, it can be a short plane ride away, but we really are so far from Milwaukee yeah, and so far sure. from New York. Yes. And very. what happens here so greatly differs from those other cities and mm-hmm. also maybe even what, what things are allowed and what the expectations are Super. of the diner, as you're just mm-hmm. talking about. I'm curious about who, uh, either in this city or in other cities, do you lean on for both... Uh, culinary mentorship like mm-hmm. who do you call when something oh. just is not working he's gonna he's gonna know the answer to this question <laughs> right you're asking right now uh chef richard capizzi okay he is my pastry chef he is at lincoln currently but he opened bouchon bakery he has won the US pastry competition he he's amazing he's amazing i'm saying it very loud into the microphone so when he listens to this he hears me say it i lean on him hard um he is so he's so good at technical and then i'm also very inspired I'm very inspired by, I don't know, like the chefs around that use traditional techniques, like, like Diane, um, up in Minneapolis with Gavin Kaysen. I'm just, I'm very inspired by people who know technique. I very, I very much respect the practice that it takes to be good at the traditional. And I'm very inspired by what they do with it. Um, all the Michelin star fine dining restaurants, you know, uh, all the San Francisco, everybody, you know. I love Single Thread Farms. I think they're really cool. I don't know. I just, we try to, I'm just really inspired by people who know what they're 
doing, I guess. I know that sounds maybe kind of shitty, I guess. But, like, I'm very inspired by people who have worked really hard and committed themselves to this and then can expand and do new stuff. I'm going to get you out of here on this last question, which okay. is, so my brother is sitting behind you. He's my business partner. We we obviously spend a lot of time together. Oh, yeah. Your husband is in the business. Yes. Have you ever had a discussion, any plans percolating real or totally, uh, <laughs> or totally fictional about maybe you and him ever partnering up together yeah. on a restaurant down the line? Is that something that would appeal to either one of you? And yeah. does the other one not want to do it? I don't it? know. We, you, you don't. You don't not think about that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if anyone who's telling you like they, oh, I never thought about doing that with my husband. Like you're lying. hundred percent. You thought about it. Um, I don't think we have any plans at this point right now. We're both pretty content um, with what we're doing right now. Maybe in the future, you never know. I, we try to, I try not to box myself in too much, you know, because I feel like life changes so fast and I think it's worth it to be ready for the ride and not plan too much, you know, but maybe we'll see. Katie, thanks for being here. I know you have a very, very busy weekend where you're doing tons of events and everything. So thanks for carving out a little time and sitting down with us in the Heritage Radio Network booth from Charleston Food and Wine. Thank you again to Le Creuset and the Julia Child Foundation for making Heritage Radio Network on tour at Charleston Wine and Food Possible. I'm Eli Sussman for Heritage Radio Network. HRN is a member-supported nonprofit based in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Listen to over 10,000 episodes of Food Radio Podcasts and become a member at heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.